Welcome to this podcast, Magnified Word. In the last episode, we looked at the forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ. And in this episode, we're going to look at how we are to forgive others. And the first scripture I want to look at is in Ephesians chapter 4. And beginning in verse 31, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. In Christ, God has forgiven us. And just as we have been forgiven, we are to forgive others. Let's consider a record from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18. In Matthew 18, beginning in verse 21, Then came Peter to him, to Jesus Christ, and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him, till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee, until seven times, but until seventy times seven. So basically, no matter how many times someone sins against you, we are to still forgive them. In verse 23, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. And I've heard that in terms of today's money, that'd be about 52 or $53 million. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt. Wow, so even though that person owed him such a huge debt, his Lord was moved with compassion and forgave him. And then verse 28 says, But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence. And I've heard that uh, in terms of today's money, that would be about $44. So this servant who had been forgiven such a great debt, he found one of his fellow servants, 
which owed him just like $44. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. Wow, isn't that something? After he was forgiven for such a great debt, there was someone who had owed him a debt, and he wouldn't have patience with him, but he cast him into prison. And verse 31 says, So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desiredst me, because thou did ask. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on your fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if you from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. You know, and I can kind of relate to this. Um, you know, we've been forgiven so much in Christ, not just for the wrong things we've done in our lives, but but as descendants of Adam, we inherited a nature that was that was sinful, and all of that has been cleansed and forgiven in Christ. You know, we've been forgiven so much, and yet sometimes we uh, tend to get all angry and, and bitter towards someone, towards someone else, like over the littlest thing. Yeah, but we saw from Ephesians 4 that we are to let all anger and bitterness and wrath be put away from us. And just as God has forgiven us, we are to forgive others. So that's a great thing to remember is how we've been forgiven completely in Christ. And so in turn, when people do wrong to us, instead of being angry with them and holding a grudge against them, we can forgive them. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3. In Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. So now also put away all these, wrath, hot temper, wickedness, slander, ugly speech out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, stripping off the old man with his axe. 
and clothing yourselves with the new man, which is renewed in acknowledgement in accordance with the image of him who created it, where there does not exist Greek and Judean, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, servant, free person, but where Christ is all things and in all people. Therefore, holy and beloved ones, as God's chosen ones, clothe yourselves with merciful compassion, kindness, humbleness, meekness, long-suffering, upholding one another and forgiving each other. If anyone has a complaint against anyone, then even as the Lord, as Christ forgave you, so you also ought to do. See, if, if you have a complaint against anyone, don't hold on to it with anger for months and years and, and bitterness and resentment, but just, but just simply forgive that person that you have a complaint against, even as the Lord Christ forgave you. In verse 14 it says, Above all these things, clothe yourselves with love, which is the uniting bond of maturity. So we are to put on love. We are to clothe ourselves in love. And in verse 15, in the King James Version, it says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. But actually, according to all the critical Greek texts, it should be Christ here in verse 15, rather than God. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, unto which you were also called in one body, and be thankful. See, there's this uh, peace of Christ that we are to have rule in our hearts. And that means to, to occupy the place of authority or control. In Ephesians chapter 2 defines the peace of Christ. Let's uh, look at Ephesians 2. In Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 11, it says, Wherefore remember that you were formerly Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by those who are called circumcision, made by hand in the flesh, and that you were at that time without Christ, alienated from the citizenship of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of the promise having no hope in being without God in the world. However, you who were formerly far away have now in Christ Jesus become nearby by the blood of Christ. See, in the Old Testament times, the Gentile nations were far away from God. God primarily worked with 
the nation of Israel, but by the blood of Christ, those who were formerly far away were brought near to God. It says they were brought near by the blood of Christ. In fact, He is our peace. Jesus Christ is our peace, who has made both the Judeans and Gentiles one, and who has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility by means of his flesh, and who has made the law of the commandments and decrees inactive, so that he could create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. See, Jesus Christ broke down that division between Judeans and Gentiles, and he made them one in Christ, made one new man from those two groups of people, thus making peace. Verse 16 says, And so that he could reconcile them both to God in one body, by means of the cross, by which he killed the hostility, he also came and proclaimed the gospel regarding peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were nearby. Because through him, through Jesus Christ, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. See, so that's the peace of Christ. And so back in Colossians chapter 3, So in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, it says, And let the peace of Christ preside in your hearts, unto which you were also called in one body, and be thankful. See, that peace of Christ, that is to occupy the place of authority or control in our hearts. And so we're to, to think about that peace that Christ has made amongst us. And when we're focused on that, then there's not a lot of room for unforgiveness, anger, and and bitterness. And remember, we're to clothe ourselves with love. So we're to, to live this way. And so then we can have peace amongst each other instead of anger and bitterness. I also want to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2. The epistle of 1 Corinthians had a lot of reproof that God had the Apostle Paul write to the church at Corinth. And so a while after he sent them that letter of 1 Corinthians, he sent them this letter of 2 Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, Instead, I determined this in myself, that I would not come again to you with grief. In fact, if I cause you grief, then who will cheer me up except he who is grieved by me? Thus I wrote this very thing, so that when I do come, 
I will not have grief from them of whom I ought to rejoice, having confidence in all of you that my joy is the joy of you all. As a matter of fact, I wrote to you out of much affliction and distress of heart with many tears, not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love that I have in abundance for you. However, if anyone has caused grief, he has not caused grief to me, but in part, so that I do not overburden you all. Sufficient to such is this punishment that was inflicted by many, so that instead you should rather forgive and encourage such, lest perhaps such will be swallowed up with excessive grief. And so there was a uh, likely uh, a lot of grief amongst the Corinthians after they read the epistle of 1 Corinthians. But Paul didn't want them to be just swallowed up with excessive grief. And instead, the people who had sinned, they were to forgive them and encourage them. And then the next verse says, Wherefore I encourage you to confirm your love toward him. So there are times where people sin and maybe they need to get sharply reproved. But it's important in those situations that we, we then forgive them and encourage them and confirm our love toward them so that they're not swallowed up with a bunch of, of grief and sorrow. In verse 9 says, To this end, then, I also wrote, so that I might know the proven integrity of you, whether you are obedient in everything. Whom you forgive, I do too. In fact, whatever I also have forgiven, I have forgiven it for your sakes in the presence of Christ so that we should not be taken advantage of by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his thinking. See, and you know, Satan loves to divide Christians and put them against each other and at war with each other. And so it's important that we forgive each other so that peace of Christ can rule and so we can be one, and have unity. And so Satan doesn't take advantage of us and, and split us up. And lastly, I'd like to read Psalm 130. Psalm 130, I heard this was Martin Luther's favorite psalm, and we're going to read verses 3 and 4. It says, If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? See, if God were to count sins, who could stand? No one could stand righteous before him by themselves. Romans 3.23 
tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But verse 4 says, But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. See, but there's forgiveness with God so that we can fear God, reverence God, and, and stand in awe of God. See, so we don't need to be worried about keeping track of each other's sins. We've all sinned and, and come short of the glory of God. But thank God that, that there's forgiveness with God. And then so we can just have reverence for God and and just have have our focus on how great God is that He's forgiven us for our sins and for the sin nature that we inherited from Adam. And so we can just have our focus on how great God is and and be thankful for the forgiveness that He's given us. See, and so then we can no longer be angry at others, but then freely forgive others. And then amongst us Christians, there can be great oneness and unity and peace and love.